Hey, why don't you open your Bibles to the book of Acts? Woo. You got to give at least a courtesy woo, I guess, right? There it is. The series that we are in is called The Spirit-Filled Church, and we are asking two big questions, right? The questions we are asking is, what did it mean? We want to learn what it meant so we can live what it means. Learn what it meant, live what it means, right? Amen. Good. All right. That's just looking for some agreement there. We're all nodding our head as we continue. Let's, let's take a look this morning. Let's pick it up at chapter 8 and verse 26. I'll read 26 through 40. You ready? Here we go. As for Philip, well, wait a minute, you might think, well, remember the last, last, when last we saw Philip, last time we saw him, uh, he was still in Samaria, right? And he, but then all of a sudden, he's no longer on the scene. Peter and John are there, and they minister the spirit to the Samarian uh, believers. So now we're picking, we're, we're picking it back up with Philip. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. Then he started out, and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia. Thank you, Laura Lee, for saying wow. Absolutely. Because he's, he, he, the, an angel tells him to go down this road. In the, in the heat of the day, probably, a, des, a deserted desert road, he tells them to go down. Like, and, and who does he find? Oh, just the treasurer of Ethiopia. A eunuch of great authority. Now, the New Living says under Candake, uh, or your Bible might say Candace. That's a, that is a, not the name of the queen of Ethiopia. That is the, the queen mother, and it's a title that, that uh, she has. The king of Ethiopia was the, the son of the, the uh, he was a sun god or something like that. He was deity and couldn't be bothered by, with administrative things. So the queen mother was in charge. And uh, the eunuch, there's a eunuch now who is in charge of uh, the, the treasurer the, of, of the whole kingdom. That's a big deal. <clears throat> the eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside the carriage. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you are reading? And the man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? So he urged Philip to come into the carriage and sit with him. The, pa- the passage of scripture he had been reading was this. He was, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth, and he was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. Now that's from Isaiah 53 from the Septuagint, which would have been the version that this man was no doubt reading, not being a, a native Palestinian, not being a Hebrew man. He would have been reading in Greek, so he would have the the uh, Septuagint, the Greek version of the Old Testament. The eunuch asked Philip, uh, tell me, was, uh, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. And they, as they rode along, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, there's some water. <laughs> look thither. Thank you. Good job. Look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? So he ordered the carriage to stop, 
And they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. What? You grew up with him in my generation. You said, what? Beat me up, Scotty. (laughs) What? Snatched him away. Uh, The eunuch never saw him again, but he went on his way rejoicing. Meanwhile, Philip found himself farther down, far, farther north, down at the town of Azotus. He preached the good news there and in every town along the way until he came to Caesarea. Uh, Caesarea, we pick up, we find Philip later in Caesarea. He's living there and he's got a family and all of his daughters are prophesying. So that's pretty cool. What do we learn and how do we live? Let me suggest this sentence to us this morning. The spirit-filled church leaves everyone better than we found them. We do not do so by trying to control them, nor by compromising our faith. We leave people better than we found them by honoring them and obeying the Lord. Let's talk about obeying the Lord. Uh, Verses 26 through 29, we leave people better than we found them when we obey, through obedience. Somebody said obedience. Obedience. So an angel tells Philip, go south down a desert road. Now, this is not the first time, nor will it be the last time in the book of Acts, that an angel gives someone a direction. And so an angel says, go, and there's no conversation. There's no dialogue from Philip. The angel says, go, and then Luke says, so he started out. He just went. The angel doesn't tell him why to go down the road. He doesn't tell him how long this is going to take, how far to go. You know, if it were me, I might say, well, time out. Do I need snacks? (laughs) There's no question. Philip offers no question, no debate, no second guessing. He just obeys. I cannot stress how important it is that we just obey. We just obey. Now, you might say to me, well, Dav, if an angel told me to do something, I would do it. Well, what about if your Bible told you to do something? Angel tells me you wouldn't think twice. Bible tells me I, I give it some thought. Just obey. So he obeys, and he goes down the road, and who he runs into, a nobleman. Now, again, for many of us, we kind of, you might have heard this story. It might sound familiar, or it's the, it's the Bible, so you're just used to, you know, the ground opening up and swallowing people and rocks blowing up. So everything sounds like, well, I guess that must have happened because it's the Bible. But he walks down this road and, and, and where it's probably deserted, not busy, and he runs into this distinguished figure. The kingdom of Ethiopia was significant. It wasn't just this tiny little thing. It was a significant power in the south. And he runs into the guy who's in charge of the money. He's this, a significant nobleman. Amazing. The treasurer of Ethiopia who works for the queen mother. This is who he runs into. His obedience, Philip's obedience, brings him to one person on a desert road. This one person was Phil's assignment that day. This one person was waiting 
fulfills obedience. Who is waiting for yours? Other people will be better off when you obey. Now, this one person <laughs> is an interesting and rare situation. He's an Ethiopian. Now, in that time, that the, the region was larger. It would have covered what we recognize as modern Sudan, northern Sudan. But to, to, to the Mediterranean folk, to the Greeks and to the Jews, uh, Ethiopia was, was far, far away. As a matter of fact, the Homer's Odyssey describes Ethiopians as the furthermost of men. As a matter of fact, Ethiopia was, in popular phrase of the day, called the ends of the earth. Wait a minute. What is Luke up to here? Now we have us, the church, being a witness to Jerusalem and to Judea and to to some area, and now... Are you kidding me? Luke, I see what you're doing here. <laughs> the ends of the earth here represented by, reached by, reaching one person. Now, to the Jews and the Greeks, Ethiopians were exotic people. They were, according to their literature, they were fascinated by their dark skin. Luke's audience would have known this. Let's take a second and just see law on this, just for a minute, shall we? So heaven sent a Greek-named, Greek-speaking Jewish man named Phil, who owned an auto body shop. to evangelize a wealthy and powerful man with black skin. The Spirit-filled church does not have a white or colonial origin. A beautifully black-skinned nobleman was baptized before any European heard the gospel. You know what that means? It means the origin of the Spirit-filled church is not Los Angeles in 1906, not Topeka in 1900, not Hot Springs, Arkansas in 1914, not Springfield, Missouri. Oh. Not Washington, D.C., not London, not Rome, not even Jerusalem. The origin of the Spirit-filled church is heaven. Because on the day of Pentecost, they were all gathered in one place, and there came a sound from what happened started in heaven. We are the result of heaven's desire 
heaven's impetus, heaven's idea, heaven's breath. Peter said that Jesus had ascended to the very right hand of God, the very throne of God, and has poured out this which you now see and hear. Our origin is heaven and our mission is earth. The Spirit-filled church is heaven's agent, instrument to save all of humanity. And this is why we obey. The Holy Spirit then told Philip, go walk along beside him. Now, this is, this is the first time in the book of Acts that we hear the Holy Spirit, God speaking, the Holy Spirit speaking to a person. First time, the Holy Spirit speaks to somebody and he listens and obeys. <laughs> This is the first time in the book of Acts that it's going to happen more often that the Holy Spirit is directly communicating with and coordinating the affairs of the church. This is the Spirit-filled church. This is not strange. This is not rare. This is necessary and it is normal. We need His direction. We need His voice. And it's His idea. There are some that want to say, hang on, Dr. Dav. We don't necessarily want to believe that, the whole, that God will speak to us because that's, you know, that makes it canonical. And we know we don't, we're not trying to write more of the Bible here. So we, we shouldn't believe that because otherwise, you know, what about the Bible? Here's the deal. The purpose of hearing from the Holy Spirit is not to add to the Bible. The purpose of hearing from the Holy Spirit is to obey him. And to partner with him to leave people better than we found them. Yeah, good. Holy Spirit says, go walk beside him. Just go get close. He's not told what to do next. Just go get close to him. Just obey. We leave people better than we found them through obedience. Pick it up in verse 30. We leave people better than we found them through obedience and through honor. So Phil runs over to the carriage. Now the Lord said, go walk beside him. And Phil runs over to the carriage. He treats this person as if they were worth the gusto. People are worth running toward. Now we already know that the man was reading aloud from the scroll of Isaiah and that he was reading out loud. Now that is, they say, how most people in those days read. They read aloud. I say, read the Bible aloud as often as you can. But anyway, Phil hears him reading Isaiah, and then he asks him a question. Just take a deep breath and just think about that for a minute. Phil asks him a question. Asking people questions expresses interest in them. Isn't it exhausting when somebody only wants to tell you? They only want to talk at you. You walk up and think, oh no, I know what's about to happen. All the auction's about to get sucked up. Because this person's going to tell me, tell me, tell me, talk, talk, talk about themselves, about the thing. But it is so refreshing when someone asks you 
about you. Shows an interest in you. Shows affection for you. It actually shows honor. In this way, Phil doesn't approach the man to control him. He approaches him to serve him. The eunuch is not a project. He's a person. So Phil says, do you understand what you're reading? The man responds, he can't understand unless someone explains it to him. I mean, have you read Isaiah? <laughs> and then he, and he, invites, he invites Phil to sit with him. Listen to what we see so far. Go, walk, ask, sit with. This is honor. The Son of God is born in a manger. Jesus gets in Peter's boat. Philip sits with the man in his carriage. You will leave people better than you found them by being near them. The passage he was reading was Isaiah 53, the suffering servant, and the the eunuch wants to know who the prophet is talking about. One of the things that Luke is great at is the setup. Right? Remember in, in, in uh, earlier when Peter and John are with the Sanhedrin and the Sanhedrin's demand, they, 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 there's the big question. By what name and by what power did you do this? Set up. Right? Well, if you're asking, it's Jesus. Now he says, who is this guy talking about? He's talking about himself or someone else? Well, speaking of someone else, he explains. He begins there in Isaiah and begins there and then explains the gospel to the man. Now, I want us to notice something. I, I think it's important. It may, this may be a little bit more important for people that are maybe my profession or, 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 get, or read the stuff that I have to read or whatever, but I want us to hear this. I want us to note that Philip did not set aside scripture in order to explain the gospel differently, meaning the man did not, uh, did not understand the Bible, but that did not prevent Philip from using the Bible. He just explained it. There are those who want to make an argument that, well, you know, people don't read the Bible, they don't know the Bible, so you shouldn't, shouldn't use the Bible to explain the gospel. <laughs> to learn the gospel and to live according to it, there is a textbook. And there's only one. And this is it. This book has left more people better off than it found them than anything else on earth. And you obey God and you honor others when you help them to hear and to understand what the word says. You leave people better off through obedience and through honor. And when we do, they're better. Beginning at verse 36. As they rode along, they came to water, and the eunuch says, Well, why can't I be baptized? Now, that's the new living. The older versions sound like this a little bit. They say, what prevents me from being baptized? In other words, the man had heard the gospel. He had understood faith in Christ, and he had understood that, that, that faith in Christ is, is expressed in repentance and water baptism. So he asked the question, what prevents me from being baptized? Water baptism is the rite of initiation 
into the community of faith. It represents cleansing. We identify with the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We believe that he died and that the Spirit of the Lord quickened him and he rose from the dead. And we believe that, that in, by faith in him, we also die to sin and die to our old life. And now we live by the Spirit. Now, even as we await for the Spirit of God to quicken us one day, because if Jesus walked out of the grave, we're walking too. Baptism is the way that disciples identify that they are disciples of Jesus. Now, there are some other texts, some ancient texts that suggest that that Philip answered the Ethiopian. He said, if you believe with all your heart, and then the man responded, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Now, whether or not Luke wrote that down, uh, there's some, doesn't matter, there's, there's different texts, but... We know that something like that happened, but that's not even the point. Luke's point is the answer to the question is what prevents me from being baptized is nothing. Faith is all that is necessary. In all of Luke's writing, all of them, from the gospel all through Acts, we see consistently that not age, not religious tradition, not ethnic origin, not socioeconomic status or gender can keep anyone from hearing, believing, or receiving the gospel. We leave everyone better than we found them. Look, there is water. What prevents you from being baptized? So they pull over and Phil baptizes the man. When they came up, Philip is snatched away. But the eunuch goes on his way rejoicing. Philip is transported 20, 30 miles away. Azotus, the former town of the Philistines. He just keeps on preaching, lands in Caesarea, stays there. Another text, again, I think the Byzantine text, words that this adds or explains that, that when the eunuch came up, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and then that, that the angel of the Lord snatched Philip away. There's agreement there about what happened. But here's what we know for sure. You ready? We know for sure that the eunuch went on his way rejoicing. How did Philip leave this man? Better than he found him. He went on his way rejoicing. But you know what? What's fun, what's amazing is this is the pattern. This is, this is apparently what Phil does. The example he has for the Spirit-filled church. In Samaria, it was crowds and miracles, and the whole city was filled with joy. There was great joy in that city. So the end, how did Philip leave Samaria? Better than he found it. Great joy in the city. How did he leave one man? Rejoicing. This is the echo of the impact, the influence of the Spirit-filled church. Whether it's crowds and campaigns or whether it is a, a carriage and a conversation, we leave people better than we found them. Let's pray together. You've come today at this 9 a.m. service and uh, you 
you feel like you need to be baptized in water, there it is. What prevents you? I'll have Pastor Jeremy Young let me know. Anybody that needs to be baptized in just a minute. But let's, let's lean in and just ask the Lord to talk to our hearts for a second. Lord, we ask you first. We want to be honest with you and, and open. Lord, is there what area in our life is waiting for us to obey? Where do we need to obey? Lord, if we've given you excuses, if we have tried to bob and weave, forgive us. Obedience leads to our joy, of course, but obedience is what's necessary. We're going to be useful to you to help anybody else. You need to obey. Or even if it doesn't make sense, even if you don't give us a lot of directions, Lord, help us. Lord, whether it's obedience in our home, obedience in our private life, obedience with, with regard to work or with friends, or what is it that you're saying? How is it that you're prompting us? What does your word say for us to do that's clear? Help us to obey. Lord, the people in our life, would you help us to treat them with honor? To get next to them, to sit with them, to ask them, to be present with them. To treat them as people and not projects. And Lord, would you anoint us today afresh and lead us to leave everyone better than we found them we ask in Jesus' name. Can we stand together, friends? Sing that chorus one more time together.
Anybody in the room willing to let the Lord use them to leave somebody else better than they found them? Well, can we give the Lord an offering of thanksgiving? Yeah. Friends, the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you. Be sure to be kind to someone. Find your kids. They're waiting for you. Then go to the cafe. Have a little bit more food. Spend some time. Slow down a little bit. Say hi to somebody.